welcome to the Petcast, brought to you by leading pet charity Blue Cross. I'm Emma Barton, joining me is my puppy dog. <laughs> now, if you're anything like me, you probably can't wait for a bit of sunshine and some warm weather. But does your pet feel the same way? If they're playing and they're having a good time with the family, they don't realise how hot they're getting. And so I think with that, it can be very hard for animals to adjust. That's Blue Cross vet Caroline Ray. Caroline's going to run us through some tips and tricks to help our pets if we head into a hot spell this summer. And here with a notepad and pen is Paralympic champion Holly Arnold. She's a loving mum of her cat Milo and family dog Honey. I just put his little puffy out and he just sits there and when he gets a bit hot he kind of just finds the shade because it's got a roof on top so he's a pampered cat. And this is what we do on the Petcast. Have candid conversations around the big issues facing pet lovers like me and you with some of the UK's leading pet experts who are on hand to give us their best tips, tricks and guidance. Hello, Caroline and Holly. Welcome to the Petcast. How are you both? Now, Holly, you're super busy, I know. You've got a cat and you've got a dog called Honey, which, yeah, that (laughs) made me smile a lot obviously. (laughs) They keep you on your toes, right? So tell us all about them, please. Yes. So Milo is my cheeky eight-year-old chocolate Berman cat. Um, I absolutely love him. I don't know how I could survive without him. Um, And Honey is our family dog. So I wish I could say she is mine. She is mine, but she's more of mum's dog. So she lives back in Brimbrook, um, so about two hours away from where I am. But, you know, we've We've only really had um, male, male animals in our family. And obviously it's so nice now to have Honey as, you know, a female. She's a beautiful, beautiful Cocker Spaniel. She is literally golden. That's why she's called Honey. She's cheeky. She's, oh, she just melts your heart when she gives you them puppy eyes. I forgot how, how, oh, I just can't deal with it when she gives you them puppy eyes. But um, They're clever. It's so aren't they? <laughs> they are very clever, very clever, and I'm sure Milo will make a you know a meow on the entrance of here because every time I go on a Zoom call or try and do some work, he's either climbing over my laptop or meowing. It's interesting, so. isn't it? I've <laughs> noticed. Um, I, I, Caroline, you might be able to help here. Zoom calls are so new to a lot of us, and. Poppy, like you say about your cat, like Milo, like, yeah, they have to get involved and Poppy has to get involved. You know, it's either, you know, pulling focus, <laughs> yeah. like the other day, attacking my throat when we're doing the podcast, you know, making <laughs> snoring. She's snoring, has to interfere or needs to go out. Is it attention seeking, Caroline? <laughs> Well, I think it is. Um, I mean, for us, uh, I, our, our cat's a little bit scared of me because I've done a lot of medical stuff to him. But if my husband's involved, if we're talking to friends on Zoom or something like that, he's definitely right there. And uh, the, and I think they can tell the focus of your attention. And obviously what they crave most is your attention, isn't it? And so they want to yeah. be right there. Yeah. Bermans, though, are beautiful, Holly. Bermans are. I mean, we've. I've got... So Milo's obviously mine. Uh, my mum and dad have actually got... Um, a, a Berman called Bluebell, and she is a blue Berman. Oh, beautiful. Um, and we did have, and unfortunately, we did lose our beautiful boy, Rudy, who was a lilac Berman um, in 2016. 
Um, unfortunately, he passed away when he was one years oh. old. Um, I can't remember the name of the virus, but it was something, maybe Caroline might be able to help me. It was something to do with the mixing of the chromosomes. Oh, it's gosh. quite, um, oh, it's not very, it's not very well known, right. particularly. So unfortunately, we lost Rudy when he was one years old, which was really hard because I was at the Rio 2016 Paralympics at that time. So I never really got to say goodbye to him properly, but he had the best life ever. He was the most loved cat ever. And I know he's kind of watching up there now and again and just seeing what Milo's doing probably. <laughs> Caroline, you, you're you super busy yourself looking after the pets at Blue Cross. How long have you been a vet again? Um, I actually qualified in 1986, which is probably before <laughs> you were both born. Um, but, uh, but it's obviously been a very long and interesting career. And uh, I certainly, if I had the chance all over again, I'd go back and do it all over again. I think it's a great job. Um, and, you know, the, you get such a variety, you meet such a variety of animals and people. And I think especially working for a charity, that gives you a lot of uh, a lot of scope to meet interesting people. I mean, I've met uh, all sorts of different people from the Duke of Westminster to people who are living homeless on the streets of Westminster. And I think it just gives you a great insight into a whole slice of life. Did you see I went very, very quiet when she said 86 and your two weren't even born? Unfortunately, <laughs> I was. Yeah, oh, well, I, was I feel, I feel that's I'll give a relief it a, I'll to give me. It that's relief. <laughs> <laughs> I was 10 years old. Oh, um, well, you don't look at all. <laughs> no, I don't think talking... I've weathered so well. <laughs> oh, bless your heart. Talking of weather, talking of weather, look at that link. We are here to talk about um, our pets and, and the summer and keeping them safe. Holly, does Milo like the hot weather? He does and he doesn't. So um, because, again, he's an indoor cat, um, he doesn't go outside. But what we've done is my dad built him a cat cage. It's a beautiful cage. You know, he's got a couple of layers that he can bounce up oh. around. And he just, I just put his little little puffet out and he just sits there. And when he gets a bit hot, he kind of just finds the shade because it's got a roof on top. So he's a pampered cat. So he's... <laughs> He loves to be outside with a fresh air, but again, the heat does affect him with his fur. Um, he molts so much, you know, and his obviously winter fur is kind of coming out as well. So he's struggling a lot with hairballs at the moment. Um, so I get that with Milo, but honey, honey's a sunbather. She, mum has to tell her to get out the sun. She like soaks all of the all of the sun up. Probably turns herself even more golden. Um, and mum's like, right, you, I know. in the shade, come on. And she just wants to be with you, but in the sunshine. And I'm like, mum, I FaceTimed mum yesterday and she was like, look where this one is. And I was like, she sat on the bench, sprawled out, taken over the place in the sun. And I was like, honeybee, because that's what I call her, honeybee. I'm like, honeybee, what are you doing? And she knows my voice. She can, she can hear me. But yeah, she loves the sunshine. But again, obviously... You know, they, they're obviously careful with her and make sure she goes in the shade. And because, again, sun is not good for, well, ne- let alone animals, it's humans. We can't have too well, much Well, it is of that. a bit, it is a bit of a concern for me because Poppy loves it as well. She loves to find, yeah. she just loves to cook. And to the point, actually, she would rather go, I've got some tiles. She'd rather sit on those tiles. And we, as we're recording this, we've had a few good few days of, of really sort of quite hot with no breeze yeah. weather it's been glorious but it really does concern me Caroline because she's panting away and she's got with Parsons she's got 
but not very much fur on her tummy. And she's like, uh, they remind me of little pot-bellied pigs because they're pink with lots of like, <laughs> like spots on them. And she just loves it. But are they aware, Caroline, of getting some shade? But because I worry about heat stroke and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think you're very right to be aware of that. And it's great, Holly, to hear that your mum um, realizes that the dog obviously wants to be with the family in the sun. Um, yes. But she's very aware, yeah. and she, you know, she makes sure that the dog, the dog your dog, doesn't get too much sun. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, animals are very good at detecting when they're getting too hot but they have conflicting motives don't they because as we've just said they want to be with you um it's interesting i mean i hope you're i hope your little parson isn't too isn't too pot-bellied there emma <laughs> uh, but uh, it's interesting what you were saying about her liking to lie on tiles because yeah. that is one way that dogs can lose heat is and, and, and cats by lying on something that's cool and particularly if they don't yeah. have much fur underneath which obviously is not so much the case in cats um but in dog some dogs are relatively bare underneath and by lying in contact with the cool surface that's a way that they that they lose heat and yes I think it's absolutely really really important for owners to be aware of the fact that motivation particularly again for dogs can cause them to overcome all sorts of barriers I'm sure Holly you're very familiar with the fact that when you're doing things <laughs> in a sport even though sometimes I'm sure it's probably quite painful I mean I can't, I can't really speak about that because I don't do any sport myself yeah. but, <laughs> but I'm sure that it's sometimes painful but you really want to win and hit your target and so because of that you'll just say, yeah. deal with that later kind of thing and I think it's the same it's the yeah. same with dogs if they're playing and they're having a good time with the family they right. don't realize how hot they're getting and particularly if you get like in Britain it's a amazing isn't it you know you have some days I mean Friday was miserable and a bit chilly and then suddenly on Saturday it's we're back in the Bahamas again yes you know and uh, so um, and so I think with that it can be very hard for animals to adjust can dogs wear sunscreen Yes, it's actually a good idea for dogs to wear a sunscreen if they are. Um, it's got to be a pet-safe sunscreen, and you right. can get those from the uh, from the manufacturers. But uh, it's a good idea, particularly for white dogs and on hairless areas. And one of the areas that they've got to be particularly careful about is like the bridge of the nose. So on top of the nose is you know, and it hits them like with people, really, isn't it? You can get a bit yes. of a red nose yourself when you're out in the sun. Um, so that's that's quite a good area to be aware of. And cats can also have problems. Um, you know, and again, cats that are white on the tips of the ears, they can sometimes end up getting sunburn, which can develop into skin cancer on the tips of their ears. So using sunscreen is a good idea. And white animals, it's a good idea to keep them indoors during the times of peak UV. You know, like the Met, Met Office publish an advisory now, don't they, about when they are as a peak UV are. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously you keep you keep kids and animals indoors or get sunblock on them at, at that time. I mean, it is true to say that even dark-coated animals can get um, sunburn, you know, so, solar damage if they are lying, particularly if they've got a fairly short coat and they're lying in full sun for an extended period of time. It's possible for them to get burnt even through the their coat crikey and what signs should we look out for if because you know if, if we've we've had a bit too much sun exposure we can get a bit shivery and feel a bit sick uh, it's the same with animals that you tend to you tend to find that they they can be anxious or they can just be very lethargic and tired panting a lot perhaps a bit confused mm. those are the real signs to look out for once they start to progress to the stage where they're you know being sick or having diarrhea or you know they you know they can even have fits if they get really overheated then it's much more serious and you know some of those animals actually don't make it through even with treatment from the vet so it's really really important to be vigilant for the signs and you know if you notice that your dog's panting a lot get them out of the sun 
damp the coat down, get them in a draft. You know, and if they don't recover pretty quickly, you really need to talk to your vet, you know, contact your vet because they can need treatment. If they've got the body organ damage, they will need supportive treatment. What about insect bites and things like that? Do, do animals get them like we do? Because I'm terrible sunbathing and I'm bitten, <laughs> bitten to smithereens. <laughs> <laughs> they can get them, but I wouldn't say that they're such a problem as um, heat stroke. Right. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think they're a huge worry. You get the odd dog that's stung by a wasp or a bee or something like that, and obviously it's painful. Um, and you know, you can do things to help them, like by putting ice or cold water on, just to try and take away the immediate pain. If the pain persists, then talk to your vet about whether there are any suitable drugs that you can use at home. I think what the one of the biggest messages that we want to give to people is don't just assume that because it's okay for you to take antihistamines or something, don't give any drugs to your pet without talking to your vet. A lot of human drugs are dangerous for uh, animals, and even if you are able to use them in animals, you know usually they're about a tenth of your body weight. So you need to be very careful about the dosage yes. as well. So always talk to your yeah. vet. Yeah, definitely, Holly. When um, you go maybe on a sort of a staycation or go to the beach, do you take the uh, do you take the dog with you? Yeah. So um, you know, if obviously because I live a couple of hours away from mom and dad, if I'm home for the weekend. Um, we do, we do like to go to the beach. Honey's only just recently gone to the beach. She's nearly eight months now. And oh, wow. She loved it. She, she's bouncing around. She's playing with the waves. But, um, again, really, really sort of sad subject was, um, Honey's brother, Murphy. Again, we sort of kept in touch on Facebook from, you know, buying, buying the puppies. And unfortunately he ate seaweed on the beach. And again, you know, most dogs pick up things in their mouth, you know, they're just, you know, they're dogs and then, you know, they'll they'll drop it later on. But unfortunately, Murphy actually, you know, inhaled some of the seaweed and was really, really poorly and had lots of, you know, stomach problems. He wasn't eating. He lost loads of weight. He wasn't drinking. And, you know, within a, a touch and go couple of weeks, unfortunately, he passed away. Oh, um, and it's just such a shock for... You know, we had no idea. Oh. I had no idea that seaweed was poisonous for dogs. And, and I hope by, you know, saying this now, you know, with pet lovers and animals that, you know, to look out for that because we all have taken the dog and the family to the beach. And it was just such a, it was an awful time. And, you know, God, trying to put the word out there and trying to help other families Definitely. is kind of what, Well, you've helped me because yeah, I had it's just no idea. And if crazy. you think, you know, a, a lot of us aren't going abroad you know, for a while, we're going to be sort of going yeah. to the seaside, you know, and finding some lovely places that are on our doorstep. Caroline, what, yeah. what's this about? Because I'd never heard about seaweed being poisonous for dogs. No, I think generally that you know you wouldn't expect that to cause problems, but of course with any uh, thing that you pick up on the beach, you never know what other chemicals or what other items are being taken along with it, do you? That's mm. the problem. You know, whereas if we're if we're picking wild things, we might wash them very thoroughly or be a little bit astute about where we pick. You know, it's pretty unlikely, for example, that we'd be harvesting seaweed right next to a sewage outfall. Um, but for a dog, then it might actually be just the case of the fact. Oh well, you know, this smells. You know, this smells particularly good. Um, so you know. So I mean, I think generally I wouldn't expect seaweed in moderate quantities to cause problems. I mean, obviously, if your dog spends half the day eating the stuff, I think you might at least find that you're going to have some problems with the remnants appearing on the carpets during the course of the night. Um, So I would anticipate that there might be a tummy upset as a result of that. But, uh, you know, I think I think, Holly, you were just really, really unlucky there. Um, You know, it's it's a terribly sad story. 
Um, but uh, and of course, you know, generally speaking, I think you know we want dogs to be part of family life. And if yeah. people are going to the beach, it's perfectly understandable that they want to take their dogs with them. But of course, like you have with your kids, you've got to be careful, haven't you? Because you get get it carried yeah. away and have, have fun. Do you think it is a good idea? You do want to take your animals with you, like if you're going for the day trip to the beach and you don't want to leave your dog at home. I guess you've just got to yeah be aware. Um, you know, of the sun, like you said, not spending too much time in the sun. Not all dogs like swimming. Um, no. You know, also you've then got to do the car trip. Some dogs mm-hmm. don't like being in mm-hmm. the cars. And also what if you get stuck on the motorway? I guess it's that preparation, isn't it, on these hot days? Always have plenty of water in. I think it's very much on an individual basis, isn't it? And also you've got to keep an eye on your dog and you've got to be prepared to react to what your dog is doing. So if your dog is getting, you know, panting a lot, getting restless or getting lethargic, you've got to be prepared to change what you're doing and do something to cool your dog down as well. I mean, I think if you're if it's a long journey to the beach and your car isn't air conditioned, then I think it is a good idea to think again. But obviously you then need to make sure that the dog has got plenty of water at home and a shady place to be because you you don't want to leave it Mm. shut in the house all day where they've run out of water. And the house then heats up to about 90, 90 degrees Fahrenheit. So I think you know I think it's a good idea to have the dog involved in family in normal family life and coming along for family fun but you have got to be prepared to be reactive. I think also if your dog is overweight or a short-nosed breed like a French bulldog um, and, and they too look very cute. Um, but, you know, they are a breed that's very, very susceptible to heat stroke because dogs lose most of their heat by panting. And if they've got, mm. a, you know, a, only a, a limited um, opening, and you know, if their mouth's a little bit squashed and their nasal passages are also squashed up so that they can't lose that, their heat as, not, as they normally would. And, of course, the airways also in many French bulldogs are also narrower than they would be in, say, a long-nosed dog like a spaniel. And so they are less able to lose heat. So you might want to think again about taking those dogs to the beach. They're also quite sparsely haired, many French bulldogs. So do do be careful about, you know, getting about either using sunblock or keeping them in the shade. I mean, I was walking along South End Seafront the other day and there's a lot of people there with their, um, you know, with, uh, I mean, and bull breeds are quite popular down there. Well, bull breeds are popular everywhere, aren't they? <laughs> um, and uh, there's a lot of people who've got them with them, but there are also some people who've got sun shelters for them, which I think is a really good idea. Although obviously you still need to be careful of the absolute temperature within those sun shelters, because even if the dog's out of the sun, then it can still get quite hot inside a tent, can't it? If it's in yes. the direct sunlight and i think the other the other animals to be particularly carefully with are elderly animals particularly if they've got heart or lung problems and you really really need to be careful with those now poppy i'm very very fortunate my dog loves the car she loves traveling some you know but some don't so i think like you said caroline be be aware of how how long your your journey is going to be i mean it is such bad luck if you do get caught and also when traveling it's probably best to, for your dog to be strapped in i know some like yep. to stick their head out the window <laughs> yeah one right behind me likes to do that but she does have um, <laughs> a seat belt and i suppose things like you know if we're packing our cool box to go to the beach is there anything apart from water we can take for our dogs any sort of frozen treats or things like that to keep them cool 
Um, yes, and we've we've got quite a lot of recipes on our website for things that you can uh, freeze. I mean, best of all, if you can get one of these Kongs, you know, these hollow toys that yes. you um, that you this bunnies. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I think they're a really good idea they're brilliant. because of the fact, yeah, because of the fact that they're you know they're a, a very a good way of slowing down dogs eating and really when you think about it dogs are meant to go browsing around you know a lot of feral dogs uh, in other countries live on live around rubbish heaps and they just spend their time ferreting foraging around the scrap here a scrap there and it's a very natural way for dogs to eat so um, we've got sort of things like you know you can do the banana split which is uh, plain yogurt mashed banana and and peanut butter just a word of caution about um, yogurts and peanut butter xylitol the artificial sweetener is incredibly toxic to dogs and um, so do be very careful if you are making your own to make sure that you get a, you've got these products without xylitol in um, so uh, you can do a banana split. We've got also the strawberry licious, um, which is strawberries rolled o- rolled oats and plain yogurt. There's you know lots of recipes on our website if people want to take a look for our um, top frozen Kong recipes. But they're a good idea. You know they keep the dog occupied. They mean that it's doing something other than belting up and down and playing. Mm. Um, and uh, obviously they are um, they are nice and cooling, um, but water is the the essential thing. And of course, you know, if, if you're staying at home, a paddling pool in the garden is a a very good way. I mean, it's a very safe way for yeah. your dogs to have fun in the water. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's no risk of drowning, and they can just have a great time. Have you? Do you two have um, either of you have a paddling pool for your dogs? Honey does. Yeah, great. <laughs> she absolutely loves it. She loves it. She just sits and chills. Um, she's really great with water, so she's not afraid of anything. Um, she actually loves when dad puts the hose on is she just tries to grab it and play around with it. And yeah, so she loves the water so that we're really lucky with that. Not every dog no. you know, likes the water. No. Um, but yeah, she loves that paddling pool. <laughs> no, I'm the opposite. You see, I had, I've struggled and I've, I've bought cooling mats, paddling pools, washing up bowls, um, for Poppy to go into. Not interested. Doesn't want to. She's the sun, sun, sun. Now, weirdly, the last couple of months we've got a lake on my walk and again never gone near it I went out on a walk with my friends who's got a Bedlington Terrier who's two years now uh he we went on a beautiful walk lovely lakes Bertie went in Poppy followed loved it since then every time we go past the lake she's now going in it this is what is that about, though, Caroline? This, this, is, this is what leads you astray when you're a teenager, isn't it? Sadly, I didn't have those kind yeah. of peers when I was a teenager. But now if I could turn back time, that's something I might change. Um, but, uh, so that's what I mean. And, you know, and, and, animal, and animals uh, can learn from watching each other. I mean, dogs right. learn from watching us, don't they? And so do cats. Um, so, that, I mean, yeah. that's how they learn to open the fridge and stuff like that, isn't it? But I might now go out and get a, a paddling pool this this year. Yeah, that's a good maybe idea. Maybe she will want to. But I just think she's seen Bertie do it. She's like, no, I'm going to do that. It's re- really weird. Or oh, 13 years, never gone near the water, never liked the sea. I mean, it is true that you get more more heat susceptible as you get older. And yes, I do speak from some very personal experience. Um, so it may so it may be that she's keener to cool off, you know, because she's now thirteen. Uh, yes. whereas she wasn't quite so interested when she was uh, a youngster. Let's move on to cats. I think um, Holly does Milo like to find a warm warm spot in the house. Oh yes, he does. Um, his favourite spot is upstairs in the bedroom too, as we call it. And my dad kind of made me, um, it was a smaller, smaller cupboard. So it was not big enough for a wardrobe for me to use. Um, so it's kind of like for drying clothes. And 
You know, one day, the first time we ever did it, I was like, oh God, I don't know where Milo is. You know, the windows are not open. I can't find him anywhere in his little hidey holes. And I just remember I was thinking, wait, no, is he is he gone in there? I looked in and he was just sat on my clothes, nice clean clothes washed. And he just kind of looked at me and was like, hi mom. I was like, oh, okay then. Is that your place yeah. now? So whenever he's gone, um, he goes upstairs and I'm like, you hate the warmth, but you love the warmth. So he's so toasty up there. And if I'm home, you know, on a day like Sunday, if I'm not going out anywhere, he'll go up there. He's probably up there now, actually, because he's not downstairs. He'll go up there and be there for hours and hours. And I'll go upstairs and check on him, make sure he's okay. He's not bothered. And he'll come down leisurely about, you know, nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, oh, hi, <laughs> nice to see you. So yeah, he loves, he absolutely loves um, the cupboard. Oh, it's just nice and toasty in a nest and it's comforting. I mean, again, I suppose they still overheat though, Caroline. So you've got to be a bit careful. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny what you say about clothes, isn't it? Because even though the cat doesn't particularly like me, if I leave, if there's any clothes anywhere of mine, he'll lie on those, (laughs) which is, uh, yeah, it's really funny. But anyway, I mean, uh, details. But uh, yes, I mean, cats are a lot less susceptible to heat stroke than dogs, but it can occur. I mean, you you know, if the cat, I guess, say you need to be particularly careful about getting cats shut in hot places like a greenhouse. Yes, or shed. Yes. And I think, think yeah, exactly, because head sheds can get really hot as well can't they um and i think with older cats particularly if their kidneys are starting to deteriorate a little bit and kidney disease is very common in cats and often we don't pick it up until kidney function is quite markedly reduced so i think for, for older cats free access to water bearing in mind that they may be getting a little bit arthritic as well and um, so you know you don't want to make them have to jump up onto things to get water or climb up or climb mm. up on surfaces because you know doing everything is more effort in the heat and um, particularly as you get older um, so I think it's really important to make sure that there are multiple sources of water about for your cat and they are actually really choosy when it comes to water it's so weird you wonder <laughs> I sometimes wonder how yeah. these animals ever survive in uh, in the natural environment but I um, heard someone that you're supposed to give your cat a large sized dish of water filled up to the brim and this was on a course and I thought oh, what absolute rubbish so I went home and filled up a, uh, a baking dish and put it down and the cat which had never been seen to drink water before promptly went and started drinking from it um, and so we now have uh, you know, a, a, a large dish filled to the brim in a couple of places in the house and outside for the cat to be able to access and I think that is a very good idea for anybody who's got a cat but particularly if you have an elderly cat um, and I think, you know, do, you know, do be careful if you're going away, even only for a day or two, to make sure that the cat has plenty of sources of water, just bearing in mind mm. that you're going to have a lot of evaporation of water if it's hot. Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, it's it's really, really important. I mean, you know, ideally you should have somebody checking on your cat once or twice a day whilst you're away. You know, it's really important that somebody checks at least daily. That's a brilliant tip, Caroline, actually. I mm. had no idea. I mean, I don't have brilliant. a cat, but I would have just, you know, probably stuck one bowl down and, and not even thought about doing um, multiple bowls. I think that's a great tip. Talking of water, I want to ask a quick question, Caroline. If I'm out and about and loads of lovely places like farm shops or cafes always have doggy bowls outside, I try and avoid poppy drinking from those other people's doggy bowls because I'm worried what she might pick up am I just being pick paranoid <laughs> oh it's so difficult isn't it I mean I mean I guess I mean you're right there is some risk of disease transmission 
I mean, obviously less if um, she's fully vaccinated, but that doesn't mean, I mean, like us, there's all sorts of gastric bugs that they can pick up from this, that and the other. Um, I imagine that this is also an issue if you have kids. I imagine that people worry about drinking fountains and things like Mm -hmm. that, don't they? Um, Being a way of transmitting, um, transmitting disease. Then again, you think about all of the things that dogs drink. I mean, if you go out on a walk, the dog drinks from the puddle, doesn't it? You know, and that kind of thing. You know, and other dogs have drunk there before or going in the lake. Um, And when we were talking talking about your dog swimming in the lake, I'm immediately thinking about blue-green algae, which is very toxic to people and to dogs. (gasps) Usually, if it's present, then most councils will pick it up. I mean, we've had a couple of episodes around us um, where lakes have had blue-green algae and you promptly get huge notices around the lake saying do not access you know blue green algae present okay so i think you know it's just worth bearing in mind that you might not want your dog to go in lakes that have got a lot of algae um you know and obviously at this time of year with there being so much uv then it's likely that we're going to see more algae about so i think it's a risk um but i also think you know sometimes a bit like when you're when you're abroad and you're thinking about whether you're going to drink water from what you think might be a slightly dodgy source you know what's better a heat stroke which is right. more of a certainty against against a potential bug that may or may not be there in some water so i'd probably go for um, drinking water because i think as human beings we can tell each other when we're too hot or you know i think with dogs and cats, all animals really, they don't tell you if anything's wrong. You know, they don't tell you when they're poorly or they, you know, they sometimes you can see in themselves, they're not themselves. And Milo's certainly not been himself in the last few days. He's had a lot of hairballs going on. And I hate, I hate it when he has hairballs. You know, as a as a cat owner, and I'm sure people listen to this, it's it's the most awful sound <laughs> of them sort of, you know, chucking it up. And and I know with Milo, because he's mine, is some cats don't like to be touched while they're being sick. But I, I I sort of I don't hover around him, but I'm with him and I'm like, okay, maybe it's okay. And I just sort of hold his back. So sometimes if he really struggles to get something out, like yesterday he had a really, really big hairball. And by just being able to press up against me, it he felt like he was okay to just to just do to do it and get it out of himself. Oh bless him. And then obviously he kind of feels like he's been naughty and I'm like, no, it's okay, baby, you know, don't worry. And um, you know, I pick it up and then he comes and headbutts me and I know then he's okay and, you know, I'll make him sit near me. He's he's not a lap cat, but he has yes. to be by your side. He has to have a paw or a foot or a tail or something touching you. But then, yeah, the last few days, I think because of the heat, it's really got to him. And, you know, I've I've he's been outside um, when it's cooler and, you know, like today, it's quite cloudy. So for a good few hours, he can stay outside because he'll be happy. Um, but again, he's such a clean male. Milo is so clean. So he licks himself all the time. He's he's cleaner than Bluebell, the, the female cat that mum and dad have got. Um, so sometimes I find myself having to stop him licking and he knows. I'm like, stop, stop doing that. Stop it. And he kind of looks at me and, <laughs> and stops. And then he thinks I'm not looking because I'm watching the TV and carries on. And I'm like, oi, cheeky. Yeah, he wants to look handsome for you. Yeah, I know. He's, oh God, he's too handsome. He's so gorgeous. Oh, Caroline, is there anything you can help them with or settle their tummy if they are sick? It's one of these things, isn't it? I used to I used to think when I first became a vet that everything in life was black and white and that there was science behind our profession. But obviously, of course, pretty much everything in medicine is hugely controversial and whatever you say. So for what it's worth, I will give my controversial viewpoint on hairballs. Um, I mean, I think that many cats that have hairballs, so-called, and not all cats do by any means, 
Um, we have now had something like five cats um, in the course of our married life, um, which is almost as long as I've been a vet. Um, so, uh, but uh, and of the five cats that we've had, we've only really had two that have had problems with sort of um, persistent sickness that might be referred to as hairballs. And we have had a couple mm. of long-haired cats, you know, during the during that that, that time course. I think that it is. IBD, in, in, inflammatory bowel disease, that causes cats to be sick on a regular basis because it's not really natural for any animal. And I think there can be a huge number of contributors to that. Sometimes it's diet related um, and you could talk to your vet about using a hypoallergenic diet because you would need to get a special um, medical hypoallergenic diet to make sure that they're on a truly hypoallergenic diet. Sometimes I think it's also stress-related, and our current cat mm -hmm. does suffer from uh, regular. Well, he, he, they're not. It's not usually hair because he's a short-coated cat. I mean, if you've got a long-coated cat when they're sick, you see them bring up hair. If they're a short-coated cat, mm -hmm. then you see it less often. But he's quite a stressy cat, and we have. You know, there are sometimes things that stress him, like for example having foxes or fox cubs in the garden. So he's going through a bit of a sicky phase phase at the moment. It's not bad enough for me to think about treating him or putting him on a low allergy diet um, but you know if it's very frequent then I, if it became very frequent then I would be looking at those two those routes so I think that hairballs are not just a fact of life for long-haired cats I think that they are related mm. to inflammatory bowel disease to a you know to a lesser or greater degree let's move on to our smaller pets like rabbits and guinea pigs you know in the summer how do we look after them? Because some, you know, majority of them are outside. Yep. Both rabbits and guinea pigs are surprisingly heat susceptible. They are really very, very vulnerable to heat. Um, and when you think about it, you know, they're either animals that live underground like rabbits, so they can always get out of the way of the sun if it gets too hot in their natural life, or they're animals that you know tend to be a bit more nocturnal, like um, guinea pigs and cavies, when they, you know, because they also they're very vulnerable to predators and they live in areas where they. They tend to hide away rather than being out in the open. So it's really of absolute paramount importance that a hutch isn't in full sun. It wants to be yes. in a really shaded area, um, whether it's for a guinea pig or a rabbit. And you know, if they go, if they're out and running uh, in, you know, if they have a run in the garden so that they can roam around on the grass, which is fantastic. You also need to make sure that they've got shady areas and access to cover within that, and access to cover which isn't, you know, isn't in full sun. Um, so, you know, that's that's really, really important. Yeah, I suppose it comes down to just having a bit of common sense. If your animals are kept outside, whether it's rabbits, guinea pigs, or even if you had goats or, or your chickens, you've just got to have that sort of shaded area of of, of your garden. And, and if they're, you know, they're like you say, they are intelligent and they will go and find their their cool spots, I guess. Yes, that's right. And of course, free access to water is the other thing that's really important because, again, you just got to bear in mind the fact that it, when it's hot, water evaporates. And, you know, yeah. it's surprising how quickly you can run out of water. So I think, you know, particularly if you've got multiple animals sharing the same run, I'd probably have a couple of water bowls as well. And of course, you want to have those in a ceramic heavy material that doesn't get knocked over very knocked over easily or if you're using plastic water bottles the other thing to make sure is that the, that the water is actually coming out of the plastic water bottle because it's very easy for those nozzles to get blocked oh guys caroline and holly amazing talking to you and yeah just make sure just keep your eyes on your pets as, as caroline said you know in this hot weather you know constantly panting or, or lethargic or, or feeling sick just do keep them safe and cool caroline thank you so much and holly best of luck in tokyo this summer we are rooting yes, for you girl definitely and it's 
It's been wonderful to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with a fellow pet lover and click follow or subscribe to get the latest episode on your phone when it's ready. For more information about everything we've talked about, go to bluecross.org.uk forward slash petcast. I'm Emma Barton and the Petcast is a bingo media production for Blue Cross. Mm-hmm.